Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here for our downtown dialogues for um, In Love with Baskerville. And I have some really fun, amazing people joining this conversation. Uh, the person next to me is the wonderful director of the show, Shannon Eubanks. Um, uh, the other two wonderful people joining me are uh, writer, director, actress, dramaturg, educator. <laughs> what else, Suhaila? Oh, I thought you were going to say Matt's name. I was waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's it. <laughs> the wonderful Suhaila Eljar. And our wonderful, glorious leader here at TO, our artistic director and the producer of this show, Matt Torney. Hello. So uh, thanks for joining us for this little quick nerd out session about the world of <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. So I just got really excited. Um, so um, the first question that I want to ask uh, you guys is, um, what was your introduction to the world of Arthur Conan Doyle and, and, and his very famous detective. What was your introduction? Um, I started reading Nancy Drew at eight and was over her by 10. So I don't know how I got hold of it, but the first story I read, which almost kept me from ever reading any more Arthur Conan Doyle, was The Speckled Man. And I have a thing about snakes and I had no idea The Speckled Man was going to be about a deadly pit viper from like India, okay? Oh, wow. So that one scared the pants off me. Then they told me there was one about a big dog. Big dogs, I like big dogs. So big killer dogs, sure, big killer dogs. Snakes, no, big killer dogs, yeah. How the Baskervilles was the one that sort of got me off to the races and buying the collective works and all that kind of thing. Oh, wow, so how yeah. was your second? Huh? So how did the Baskervilles- How was my second time, yeah. Awesome. How about you, Suhaila? Um, so I, okay, I, I, I was a Stephen King fan growing up and, uh, and delved into Stephen King, but like started off with non-Stephen King stuff. I like The Talisman was the first Stephen King book I read, okay, which was his work with Peter Straub. Um, but um, so moving on, I just stayed in that kind of, uh, you know, I read Lord of the Flies in the fourth grade. This is where my brain was. So this is where we're going. So all of a sudden when I hit my 20s, that's when I started reverting back to children's children's books. And I read, um, I went through a really bad breakup and I read Harry Potter. <laughs> and I ran out of the Harry Potter books that were in existence and I didn't have anything. And the person who lived next door had a collected works of, of uh, Conan Doyle of Sherlock Holmes. And so I just started at the beginning and went all the way to the end and just didn't stop through the whole through the whole collection. And I remember the moment that stayed with me the most was a comment that Holmes made about someone being an alcoholic, a drunk, not an alcoholic, a drunk. And when asked, how did he know? He said, because you can see the key marks when he tries to come into the house, he takes oh, the key. Wow. And because he's drunk, it's constantly scraping the wood around the lock until he can get it in. And that moment for me in the book, or whatever story, like I can't give you titles because I literally just read everything. Like it was just one to the next, to the next, to the next. That moment I was like, I'm in, I'm in for everything. Also highly intelligent, unemotionally, uh, you know, emotionally unattainable gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Good at what he does, like fantastic and great. I'm in. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Well, my introduction to Sherlock Holmes is the old black and white movies with uh, Basil Rathbone. And I used to watch it with my grandmother because she, she, she was. She was very into like old movies and particularly into Sherlock Holmes. So just like, and particularly at Christmas time, um, just the binges of movies and the marathons that would come on. And I just remember the, 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 the pipe and the hat, the things that aren't in the books. They're <laughs> not in the books. I got to go to Gillette Castle in, oh, really? in Connecticut because you know my husband's from there. And I remember, okay. I didn't know anything about Gillette. This is how I travel, guys. There I went wandering and, and I'm like, oh, this, oh, this is Caesar thing? Okay. Um, so I, but I walked into this castle and it was like, oh, Gillette Castle, what is this? Oh, look at all this Sherlock Holmes stuff. Oh, this guy, oh my God. <laughs> it was it was right. and he's the one that came up with the 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 hat and the and the pipe and, and the calabash the capy yeah he gave us the visual for him so yeah i'm sorry matt i totally no no no, no. <laughs> absolutely it's just the thing it's just it's a thing it just it was all it was all invented and it's such a strong aesthetic and you know um Shannon has a good laugh at it in the show. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> well, which I did, which I deeply appreciated. So then I kind of like got to watching the films and then reading the books, and and then I I got to direct a holiday production of a Sherlock Holmes story at a theater in Pittsburgh. So I got to kind of like live in that world theatrically, uh, Victorian melodrama and super sleuth, and I mean I just I just love it. I just. Uh, just part, just hooked. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, and, and that's a perfect transition to the next question, Matt. Um, so, what what made you choose the show for uh, To's opening? Uh, I can't. I was about to say post pandemic, but <laughs> but our our inviting back the audience to, back into sure. the space. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. So, um, we were looking for a holiday show. And um, I've, I've always been very inspired by uh, the way uh, theaters in Britain treat holiday shows that are less like specifically about Christmas and more family entertainments around the holidays. And, and specifically stories and plays that involve adventure. Like the National Theater did all the Philip Pullman books, you know, his mm -hmm. dark materials. Um, people are always doing ballet reinventions of grim fairy tales and things like this. So I was like, why don't we approach our holiday programming with a very, very, very simple question. What is something anyone aged five to 95 can enjoy? And maybe sometimes it'll be wintry and Christmassy and maybe sometimes it won't. But the whole idea is that um, it's about like adventure, fun, storytelling. And then I was like uh, looking around for, for, for plays and I came across this one. And um, particularly uh, at a, for a season that's about coming back to live theater after some time away. What I love about this is it's a piece for actors and it's a piece full of theatrical magic. This cannot be a movie. The nature of the comedy, the nature of the transformation, the nature of the quick changes, it's a play. And I was like, well, here we got an adventure story that anyone aged five to 95 can enjoy. That is also a love letter to the theater. Um, and it felt, you know, like, and I think everything this season is in, is in, is, is a different, type of love letter to the theater or, or in love with some different uh, different thing that I think makes theater wonderful. Um, so it just it just sort of it just hit 
ticked all those boxes. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm, we assembled this incredible team to put it together and here we are. So, so, so Shannon, you did so much research before uh, the process started and you have, you have a, a cast of just amazingly talented actors. Uh, what are some things that, that, that you discovered about, uh, about especially Holmes and Watson, but also about just the world that, that uh, Doyle created uh, as you were working on the show? Well, the first thing that I got into was actually with Watson and the interpretation of the character of Watson, because in this play, it's really Watson's mystery. Yeah. It's not Sherlock's mystery, it's incidental. And uh, Lala and I had some long conversations going into it because our ideas of Watson and the Sherlock Holmes relationship have evolved yeah. so much yeah. since the early movies and the sort of ineffectual, overwhelmed with admiration for Holmes scribe, which Watson has already, already you know, often been interpreted as didn't apply given his history as an extraordinary military man mm -hmm. who has post-traumatic stress disorder. There are all these illusions in the novel. It's actually eerily similar if you say you have a, a brilliant but quiet doctor given to PTSD, very strong military man who forms an alliance with a charismatic, erratic, very difficult to oh. live with other man, and they are closest of friends. And it's like Poldark. It's this exactly the same setup as Poldark. So what Lava and I talked about was, well, what is the attraction? And what we decided was, what a perfect distraction from preoccupation with the horrors of war and too much self-examination, too much internalizing. Mm -hmm. But someone who is constantly pulling you into unpredictable situations that engage your mind. Yeah. So that's where we started with the relationship between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. That's, that's interesting. Did, were there any other things that, that you sort of stumbled across as, as you were rehearsing the actors? I'm, I'm going to get killed for saying this, but it's true. Um, I had to call two director friends of mine in different parts of the country, both of whom have directed the 39 Steps, and tell them, I am not stealing your bits. <laughs> Ken Lidley has ripped off some 39 Steps and used it extremely fetchingly in his own play. Ken Ludwig has ripped off himself because he does a dumb show where everybody changes costumes while describing the events that have gone on at the end of Leading Ladies. Mm -hmm. So I am convinced that the this brilliant humorist looked at 39 steps and went, they're making a fortune. I could do something <laughs> like that. What's a great literary framework for right. it? And he went, Sherlock Holmes, it's a mystery. Yes, it's a mystery. Okay, we'll go from there. So in terms of the discovery, a lot of it was considering his source material, how could we be different? Right, right, <laughs> I mean, right. it is that much of a practical uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. 
and wrong. Let's take it off in a different direction. Now, the individual characters, um, I had written to the cast before we started rehearsal with ideas of platforms to jump off for them mm -hmm. and run be free. So the creativity on the characterizations, while well, I help them shape it, but that's their inspiration mm -hmm. based on a what if, giving right. them a what if for each character. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. I mean, we're dealing with such an iconic um, world that Doyle created. Uh, Sue Holly, what why do you think people keep revisiting this world? I mean, what 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 is it about this world of Victorian England that 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 writers and actors and directors are constantly going back in and remixing and reinterpreting? What's the What's the my personal, my personal opinion, I mean, it's human nature to love a mystery, uh, number one, right? Um, if you're asking why do theaters want to do it, I think it's a recognizable name. So there's going to be that. And then if you're asking why actors want to do it, I think it's some of the meatiest um, characters that you can work with. Uh, the, 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 exactly what Shannon was just discussing in regards to the relationship alone between Watson and, and Holmes. Holmes is a narcissist, and yet in his narcissism, he is, he is somehow, uh, <laughs> the, the depths of him are, are shown in the fact that he shows interest in other people, but only for his benefit of his curiosity, right? So that happens to, in, 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 in following the path that Shannon's talking about, you, you do, you have this war veteran who do, does have PTSD. When he and Holmes mate, he's not at his, you know, he wasn't at his best. Holmes pulled him out of it because Holmes reminded him that there was a world out here. But what's fascinating about having Holmes be the tour guide into this world is he doesn't really care right? But Watson has a nature to care. So he's pointed out to see it. And then Holmes goes, this one's too boring. This is too quick. This is not good enough. This isn't, oh, this one's interesting. And Watson's still like, but I, oh, okay, we're moving here. And you're watching this constant juggle. So that even as you see the growth of the characters with one another of, of, um, of Watson kind of even weaning his way from that dependency is, is it, that's all, I, I think that's why if you if you approach it there could be a two-dimensional approach and you'll get a fine two-dimensional show if you have a, a great in-depth jump into it you will get layers upon layers upon layers in which an audience will not understand why they find the moments relatable but because those intricacies are already there because the motivations are always going to be different there's so much to play with it's no different than Shakespeare it, it, we were getting something with no stage directions. So we get to decide what happens in these moments with these dialogues. That's why I think so. And I also think it opens itself to so much interpretation, right? You can take these two relationships and, and bring them about in any kind of story in any kind of way. And it can be any gender or anything, as long as you always have this person who is the one that's in control and this person mm -hmm. who doesn't understand that they can have control. And I think that's why. Wow, and, and that and that that brings me to to my final question for you guys. Uh, so, uh, because I'm not, you know, I, I'm definitely more of a 
Walter Mosley guy than a Arthur Canada Doyle. Um, but um, I was, uh, I like, I kind of jumped on the Sherlock train um, because of this TV series on Netflix called The Irregulars. Which is about, it's based on the, the, the Baker Street Kids. Baker Street Kids. And yeah. it was absolutely brilliant and it blew my mind. And what they did with and Holmes and Watsons are kind of are kind of minor characters in this story, but they're but the way they explore the relationship is fascinating. So I was just like, oh my God, what have I been missing out on? But and again, so no, no, and, and so I started doing research and I was like, oh wow. And th then there was this huge article when the show came out about this idea of of this um uh, the universe, the, the, the Sherlock Holmes cinematic universe, yep. which is what, you know, uh, I guess Robert Downey Jr. is all about trying to make this happen. Um, so, so, so yeah, so, so the irregulars like was my kind of like, oh my God point. And then, and then I found out one of my heroes and also one of my favorite writers, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, has a series <laughs> about Michael Holmes. About Michael Holmes? Yeah, about <laughs> Sherlock's brother. I started reading the first one. It is amazing, <laughs> and so okay. yeah, yeah it, it's really amazing. That, that's Holmes' inferiority complex. It's his and brother. That's, that's why he's so narcissistic. He yeah. Oh, oh yeah, his yeah, yeah, yeah. We have his. I'm sure we have his mother to thank for that, but we'll we'll get. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would love to know from each of you, like, what's your favorite Sherlock spinoff? So, I, yeah, I. It's not within the universe, but it's going to be House. The television oh, house. house is Sherlock Holmes. Well, house is Holmes. Wow. Wilson is Watson. That's why I love. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so and the fact that they used it, they used it, um, and again, this comes down to people loving mystery. These are, um, you know, mysteries are kind of uh, a murder mystery or any kind of mystery is is sort of the the uh, basic setup for a writer, right? You need to know your end before you can start your beginning, and if you know where you're going, then it will be that much easier for you to get there. You can't write a mystery without knowing where you're going. You have to know where to go. So I think setting that kind of stuff up is great, but then to use it in the medical field I mean come on like it was it was and and I remember a friend of mine said jokingly when house first came out she goes my husband and I uh, have decided that if we ever get sick we don't want to go to house's hospital and I was like he's a specialist he's a specialist he, he's supposed to work with the things that nobody else can solve it's not that he doesn't know and you know what within 45 minutes he will figure it out so it doesn't matter so Hila, I have to ask you do yeah. you know how Hugh Laurie ended up getting that part? There is a story. <laughs> you tell me okay. because I'm, 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 I'm don't tell my husband, but I'm in love with Hugh Laurie. Okay, go okay. Ahead. He almost didn't get the part. Um, the casting director had was we're talking to a number of British actors, and the executive producer who had seen various screen tests said, No, I'm quoting, I don't want any limey bastards in my show. <clears throat> so, um, more American sentence screen tests, not finding, not finding, not finding. Casting director calls Hugh Laurie's agent to say, Is there any way I can get him on tape for this playing an American doctor? And they said, He's in the middle of the desert shooting Flight of the Phoenix right now. 
Well, Hugh Laurie didn't have time, he's in the middle of shooting a movie, to read this. The problem had been so many actors were going, it's the title role. They were trying to humanize House. Mm -hmm. They were trying to make him three-dimensional. Hugh Laurie's in the middle of a freaking desert, gets the sides, goes, oh, this guy's a rat. Fine. Somebody put me on tape, plays him for the absolute asshole that he was, thinking it's a supporting part or it's get what sends it off and forgets about it. Executive producer goes, that's our house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who broke the news to him that a limey bastard had actually gotten a part that somebody had to. But it's because he had limited information. He played the part exactly as written. And I and I think I think that says everything because that also is an um um a tribute to the writers. That means that it came off the page as long as nothing else was around there to distract the actors or you know anything like that. That's that's everything to the writers. So yes, that's my favorite adaptation. So when you were talking about the Sherlock universe, I was like, I mean, it's fine. Yes, if you want me to go into the Sherlock universe, Sherlock, Cumberbatch is uh, one of the best, and and right. and maybe the first two or three seasons only. Um, and the way they modernized it and showed how all of that was, and also I might like it because they referenced that story I was telling you about that stuck out in my head. So there were a lot of moments that I felt were going back to the source material and trusted the source material instead of right. feeling like they had to compensate for something in the source material, which also House doesn't do. He's just not a, he's not a bad person. He's just not a good person. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's a great, I, I, yeah. yeah. No, House is totally Sherlock Holmes. That's yeah. insane. That's, listen yeah. to the name, Holmes House. Holmes House. Wilson, Watson, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Tori? Uh, has, has to be Sherlock. Has to be Cumberbatch, and specifically their version of Hound of the Baskervilles. Because yeah. um, that that episode, um, which is, which is, I think it's like almost the length of a feature film. Like their whole, the way they modernize the the Hound is is that it's um, the it's a chemical weapon that's being developed by the army yes. to make people hallucinate oh yeah. wow so so the whole thing is that uh, sherlock holmes because i think what the re what appeals to me about the re the spinning of it is that here is a man whose mind is better than a computer the human mind is better than a computer rather than rather than the mind it just sort of spins it in a very modern way but then suddenly he can't get his mind around these dogs and then he sees it and he doesn't trust his own mind. And then, um, you know, speaking of him being an asshole, he arranges for Dr. Watson to get dosed with this hallucinogen yeah. just yeah. to see what happens. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and you're 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 watching it just being like, this is this is a group of writers who have been given a very long leash mm -hmm. to basically take this material and do something with it. And and, and I mean, I, I just I just think it's amazing because um, the kind of artistic creation of it has a kind of Holmesian cleverness. As well as Holmes, having Holmesy and cleverness. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a sucker for that. If we put the two polar opposites as Benedict Cumberbatch on one end and Robert Downey Jr. on the other, and the essence of both is completely different because in Downey mm. it's kinetic. Everything is kinetic, it is externalized. And with Benedict Cumberbatch's, it's internalized, it's cerebral. 
I prefer the kinetic because I, my experience while with brilliant, emotionally remote men has turned me off to brilliant, emotionally remote men. So it's, it's entirely visceral and personal, is that I like my assholes untidy <laughs> rather than controlled, okay? <laughs> I mean, Shannon, I love that you think that we have control over the assholes, but you do here. <laughs> I'll take tidy. I'll do. I. I yeah. <laughs> oh wow! So it all comes down to personal taste. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I was. I have to say before we got read, I, I was a little nervous because I haven't read Holmes in a long time, and it's funny because I'm not a Conan Doyle person, right? I'm never. I'm never somebody that belongs to an author. I'm somebody who belongs to the characters, and so it doesn't matter what the author has done and anything else. It's the character that I'm gonna be drunk, shocking, I'm an actor. Um, but I, I I, went to go make sure that I was still on top of my you know, my stuff and, and I went to go read about Gillette. And what I thought was really interesting is that when you go to read about Gillette, they talk about him as an actor, that he doesn't move. That he, mm. even when he was embodying, especially when he was embodying Holmes, he managed to hold an audience on the edge of their seats because they were waiting to see what the next move of his body would be, what, what, what the next thing would be. And I thought that that is, Holmes is all internal because he, he's computing, much like Matt is saying, the computer's doing all the work and then he doesn't move until it's time. And so that's why I'm drawn to that kind of Holmes. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is extremely attractive. And then, and then full stop. <laughs> also, oh, also yeah. Robert Jen, Robert uh, Downey Jr. His homes can fight. Like that's what I remember in that first movie. That's like, true. He's yeah. a brawler. Yeah. You know, he's like using his mind computing skills for how to beat people up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Holmes avoided fights because of the fact that he could outwit anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, like he would just end up s s placing them in a situation, or he would just manage to find his way out. So he never, I, I felt like he didn't, yeah, yeah. So, and maybe I'm just an old fashioned person. <laughs> um, yeah, that, 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 that's all I got. Th thank y'all for coming here on thank a you. Sunday to nerd out about Sherlock Holmes <laughs> to my entertainment. And hopefully the people, the people that watch this. Um, yeah, so come and see Ken uh, Lovelace Baskerville here. How, long, how much longer is it running? How much longer is it running? Two, two more weeks? 19th. 19th. 19th is the last day. So, yep, yep. so if, if you got time to see it and you're watching this video, come check it out. It is an absolute blast. Uh, thank y'all so much. Thanks, Adai. Hi. Night, everybody.